it's great to see you all on this wonderful Christmas Eve. Uh, pop quiz for you. Did you know that Boxing Day has nothing to do with boxing? Did you know that? It originated in Great Britain as a holiday when the rich would box up gifts and give them to the poor. Boxing Day got its name when Queen Victoria held the throne in the 1800s. It was traditionally a day off for servants of the wealthy, when their rich masters would box up gifts for their poor servants. Well, as I got thinking of the tradition of Boxing Day, a light bulb went off in my mind. I realized two things. First is that in Canada today, uh, we have a very different idea of Boxing Day. We have a different meaning for this. Uh, for us, this is a day marked by shopping and buying and spending on stuff for us, right? Like Black Friday, Boxing Day is another day we spend lots of money shopping for ourselves. There are Boxing Day and Boxing Week sales virtually everywhere we go, either online or in person. And if we're honest, I'm sure most of us spend time poking around a bit on Amazon or shopping in the mall, or shopping online on Boxing Day. We wonder if the deals of the day may be worth um, the investment. But what about the many gifts we've already received for Christmas at that point? Originally, Boxing Day was a time to give out of the abundance that people had. The rich looked out at the, their neighbors who didn't have as much as they did. They responded to the things they had by giving and sought to enrich the poor. And that leads me to the second thing I realized about Boxing Day. It seems to me that this good tradition has a familiar ring to it. It seems to have traces of something better. The rich give to the poor. The master gives to his servants. The truth here seems to resonate beyond the level of monetary generosity. Boxing Day drops traces and hints of a story of greater generosity, doesn't it? Of a master who enriched his servants, right? Think about it. This is what Jesus does with us at a whole other level, right? Though we can appreciate that the good news of Christianity may have some connections with Boxing Day, there are also some dimensions to the true Christmas story and true Christianity that go far deeper than the generosity of a master towards his servants. It was God's plan to not only give and enrich uh, the poor, his poor servants with good things, it was God's plan to also um, give, uh, sorry, it was God's plan also to send his son to be a servant. The master didn't only give up his riches in heaven in exchange for poverty, on earth to enrich his servants, he also became a servant himself in this world that he created. It's a Christmas text. Uh, so today I'd like to consider one verse as we celebrate the coming of Christ. Um, it's maybe not a familiar Christmas text, but a text that expands our understanding of Christmas and the meaning of true riches. Though I think it's an underappreciated verse, I'd like us to see from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, that the Lord Jesus became poor to enrich those who receive him. The Lord Jesus became poor to enrich those who receive him. This is what we're going to look at in a moment, but before we do, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we come today with our feelings, 
excited about Christmas, excited about family, but most of all in this service, we're excited to praise you, that you have sent your only begotten son to come into this world, to be the savior of the world, to enrich poor people like us through his mercy and grace. I pray that today as we consider these truths, that our hearts would be warmed by the touch of your love. And I pray that anybody who's here and feels like an outsider at church, that they would know that the message is also to them and that the promise from Scripture is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now before we dig into this verse, uh, we're going to just uh, get a little bit of context. So it's 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Um, we come now to a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul in the first century to a church in Greece. Uh, the book of 2 Corinthians is one of a few letters that Paul has written. It shows us the way the gospel gives us different perspectives on life and ministry. Um, it presents many gospel paradoxes. To just name a couple... One of the paradoxes is that we can have God's power in us and grace in us in our weakness. And another one of the paradoxes that 2 Corinthians presents is that we can be generous even when we're poor. Interesting. And it's important to keep this in mind as we interpret our text today because while our text will communicate deep truths about who Jesus is, it's set in the context of Paul asking this church for money. Um, he, but the thing to mention is that he's not being slick about this. He's, he's not being underhanded in any way. He's not trying to collect money for himself. In fact, he's seeking to collect money for another church in Jerusalem, a church that was suffering in poverty. So he's going to collect money for a poor church. And he's talking to the Corinthians about this. Um, the church was suffering in poverty, so he reminds them to have the collection ready so when he comes, he can relieve the believers in Jerusalem of their poverty by providing their, the funds for them. He even says that there are other churches in Macedonia, that's modern-day Greece, there's other churches uh, that are eager to give in their poverty, which seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? But it's the way the gospel of grace is working itself out in the lives of these believers. Paul himself was even amazed uh, beyond expectation at their giving. These churches in Macedonia, they wanted to give beyond their means. These churches had a deep love for the poor believers in Jerusalem, and their joyful generosity was evidence of God's grace in their life. You can read this for yourself uh, in 2 Corinthians 8, 1-5. We won't look at this at the moment, but that's for your reference. And while that may challenge us all today as we think about our own generosity towards other Christians, other Christians in the world, other Christians in our city, other Christians in our church, the generosity that Paul wants to highlight is deeper still in this text. In this context of emphasizing generosity to poor believers... In the Jerusalem church, Paul drops a theological bomb about the person of Christ, about his generosity towards all believers. Now, hear the words of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The first thing we see in this text is Christ's status in heaven. The Bible says here, at the beginning of the verse, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. What riches is Paul referring to here? If you look at the life of Jesus, you see a man who was a carpenter. He was not uh, recognized by great wealth in this world. He was disregarded by the popular and the high and, and mighty. So what, what riches does Paul have in mind here? I think he's referring to the glory and majesty that the Son of God enjoyed from all eternity with his Father in heaven. Right? I get this from other verses like John 17, 5. The, the verse or the prayer that Jesus utters before he goes to the cross, he says, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus was glorious and is glorious. Even before he created the world, the Son was gloriously God. And John 1 Verses 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And Hebrews says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the world, uh, sorry, the universe by the word of his power. Wow. These are just three verses about the, uh, uh, that, that emphasize the fact that the Son of God is the creator of all things. And there's many, many more verses we could go to. He was rich in that he is the creator and owner, the possessor of all things. He upholds the very universe by the word of his power. As Psalm 50, verse 10 to, uh, uh, verse 10 to 12 says... Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness is mine. The Lord Jesus is rich. He created all things. He owns all that he created. He is God. He is our master. We are his servants. He is high and lifted up, holy and just, righteous and gracious. He is rich and we are poor. And we marvel, don't we, that he even considers us, even loves us. Hallelujah. But the mystery of Christmas doesn't stop here. We see Christ's status in heaven, absolutely. He is rich in glory and majesty, absolutely. But the mystery about our good God comes closer still because our God has come close. And that's the second thing we see in this text, Christ's embodied humility. Our text goes on to say that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. God the creator in the person of his son has in some staggering way stepped down from heaven and stepped into this world in a real body, a human body. This is what we call the incarnation, right? God took on a body. 
And it breaks our neat theological categories of what we thought God was like. He, the creator, becoming a man. God became a man. And there's more. He became a man, yes. He also became a servant in this world. And though this humility is still staggering us, there's even more. Here, he lived a perfect, obedient life and was crucified for us on a dirty cross, right? Here is the master giving himself as a servant for his servants, pouring himself out. The rich becoming poor to enrich the poor. Here is Christ pouring himself out for us to give us life, salvation, and spiritual riches for us who believe. Though he was rich, and for your sake, he became poor. The Bible says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Professor David Wells explains this verse by saying this We are thinking here of the one who in eternity was in the form of God. He had all the essential characteristics and defining attributes of God, he had the very Godness of God. As Hebrews 1.3 says, the total reality of who God is, as Colossians 1.15 says. It was he who set aside all this glory in order to carry out a very costly act of service. That he would strip away his bright glory to become not only incarnate, but someone of little account. Unrecognized for who he was, disparaged, rejected, and laughed at by those in power. A person of no status, though he was the very center of the universe and its creator is an expression of humility so deep that words are inadequate to grasp it. <laughs> and though we can't grasp it, we can worship him in spirit and truth, can't we? So who do people say Jesus is today? Some say he's a good teacher, a respected prophet, a brilliant leader, a historical figure. But who do you say that he is. Is he your Lord? He is God in the flesh. Is he your Savior? Have you called on him in your spiritual poverty? Think about it. Now lastly, the last thing this text teaches us is that Christ transfers his riches to believers. The, the verse that we're looking at here says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is what some theologians call the great exchange. That as 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And here is where Christmas is getting personal. Not only is Jesus, not only is Christ endowed with all the riches in the universe and, it's, and he is its creator and owner, Jesus actually makes a transfer towards those of us who believe and receive in him, or receive him. 
He was on the top of the world, but humbled himself to the dirt. He was rich, but became poor to enrich us who believe. He became a servant, died on a cross, and after that humiliation, he rose from the dead, ascending back to his majesty on high in heaven. And he shares his riches with anyone who receives him. If we call on the name of Jesus to save us from our sin, he grants us a relationship with the real God based on his grace. He'll lavish on us all the spiritual riches that are in him. And all spiritual riches are bound up in him. To name a few, forgiveness of sins, adoption into the family of God. We receive his righteousness that's known as justification. These are the spiritual riches according to God. Though to the natural eye, these riches may seem insignificant. But that just goes to show us that when it comes to who is really rich in this world, looks can be deceiving, can't they? What God says is true about believers on a spiritual level cannot be seen by the natural eye. We look around at the church, we look around at the followers of Christ, and according to the world's standards, we don't see anything special here. But according to God, those who follow Jesus are really rich. Jesus was rich but became poor to make us rich in him. The world didn't recognize real riches when they saw him. Do you recognize real riches today? The riches that Christ gives are bound up in him, in his person, in his work. Those who receive him as Lord become rich servants, really rich. So this Christmas, as you look at the tree and you look at all your gifts under the tree that many others have given to you, I want you to ask yourself a question. Am I really rich according to God? Have I received Christ and his riches? Or am I still poor according to the Lord? If you are sensing this is true of you, you're still without Christ and poor according to God's word, reach out right away. We're here, we'd love to chat with you. You can become really rich in Jesus even today. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are humbled and amazed at your love. We ask that you would, this Christmas, enrich our friends, family members who don't yet know you and haven't received your riches. We ask that our hearts would be set upon you in the midst of all the busyness of Christmas and gift wrapping and gift getting and all the things that we're going to be doing, but that our hearts would center back on Christ who enriched us by becoming poor for us. We thank you for his love. We thank you for your love, Father, in Jesus' name.